Oh. Welcome everyone, uh, podcast number four, and today's podcast I've got my first ever guest on the podcast, who is called James Hartley, goes by the name of social media as One Mind Manchester. He's a BACP registered counsellor and a Breathworks accredited mindfulness teacher. Um, yeah, welcome, James. Thanks for coming on as well, mate. Nice one. Appreciate it for your time. More than welcome. Yeah, nice one, Luke. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Um, I guess if you could just start, James, by just telling everyone, obviously I've introduced, but just telling everyone a bit about who you are, what you do, and why you've got into it. Who I am, what I do, and why I've got into it. Okay. Um, so, yeah, who am I? So, as you've already said there, yeah, my name's James Hartley. Um, so I work privately as a therapist and a counsellor uh, and a mindfulness teacher. Um, I previously worked in the NHS um, and work with people who suffer from all sorts of common mental health difficulties or just common human suffering difficulties in many ways. Um, I'm registered with the British Association of Counseling Psychotherapy, um, so it's uh, a really established association. Um, and I'm also an accredited mindfulness teacher. So I work in different ways, really. In, I do one-to-one -one sort of therapy. Um, that's via like online, um, over the telephone, or even back face-to-face -face now, um, whilst adhering to the COVID-19 guidelines, of course. Um, and I also deliver mindfulness courses um, to a mixture of different people, people who... Um, are looking for more sort of content and more happiness and joy in their life. So then people with more sort of difficulties who are suffering with anxiety or low mood. And, um, and then even as far as for people who are working with chronic pain, chronic difficulties, chronic illness. And um, yeah, I mean, my trade really sort of took off by working in the NHS for quite a while. I did that for a few years and, and grew as a practitioner doing that. And then now I essentially sort of use that as a platform to, to step out into the big wide world and start my own business, which is One Mind, so one-mind.co.uk. And uh, this is where like, I offer all of these services in a sense. Um, obviously it's quite restricted at the minute with, with everything that's been going on. Um, and the other question, what do you say? So who am I? What, um, what do I do? So yeah, I've kind of explained that one-to-one -one sort of therapy and counselling. And uh, what, like, say that again, sir? Yeah, and just like why, why you got into it. Why did I get into it? Well, I mean, that is a big question. Uh, don't go anywhere that, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so why did I get into it? Why? Because oh, I how? think... Yeah. Uh, how, yeah. yeah. Well, many ways, really. I mean... For me, I spent most of my 20s, I mean, I'm 33 now, I spent most of my 20s essentially always reading book after book after book of how to sort of develop myself, how to improve myself. Um, and when I say improvement, I don't mean like, you know, achieve success or whatever that kind of means. I meant kind of improvement is how can I live well? How can I live happily? And, mm. you know, and, that, and those, that kind of pursuit for me to... Um, to sort of look for that knowledge and, and constantly spend my life doing that led me obviously to get into sort of delivering therapy, but it was because essentially I was suffering in many ways through my twenties and teens with, you know, anxiety, yeah. um, 
with panic, uh, with low mood and so on. I had all these emotions and thoughts and feelings that I didn't really know what to do with, you know, and this kind of spurred on from my own personal experiences. You know, I, I used to compete at a, a really high level as an athlete. Um, I used to do Olympic weightlifting. So at a young age, I won many sort of British championships and went on to represent England and Great Britain. And um, won a, I won a silver medal in the Commonwealth Youth Games in Australia in 2004. And, um, I didn't know that. And I took did you not know that? Did you not? No. I thought you'd have known that, Luke. I, 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 knew, I, I knew that you did it, but yeah, I didn't know how high the level and what you won. That's that's really cool. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, and, and after that, after my success since the sort of 2004 and at the Commonwealth Youth Games, I, I, I was like training towards the Olympics and stuff like that. <coughs> Excuse me. But I was struggling with, um, I was struggling with, with chronic injuries quite a lot. So I took a little a bit of a break from that and I ended up going tra- traveling but in that period of traveling but we just frozen there for a second whilst I, yeah. I was away traveling um a car a car essentially veered on the wrong side of the road and hit the car that I was driving and as a result I was in a pretty severe car accident where I, I fractured my L4 vertebra completely ruptured my patella tendon um, smashed in both my ankles um, and then that pretty much grounded me then in many ways where that was the, that was the start of really my therapy journey if I had to say like, how did I become a therapist I'd say that was the sort of a real pivotal point which changed things because yeah. I grew up like uh, like a lot of young men in women's show because I had come from women's show um, you know, you grow up and, you know, perform well at sport and you do really well at sport and you get praised for it a lot. And, and so my sense of self, my sense of sort of self-worth was kind of really connected with achieving things all the time and being the best at something. And then all of a sudden I sort of, you know, all that was taken away from me and I couldn't go to the gym. I couldn't train. I couldn't be the best in Britain at something. And my whole sense of self fell apart and that was a big thing to sort of um to happen at the age of sort of 21 22 and um and that from that onwards really I started to sort of struggle like emotionally and mentally I was having panic attacks I was having anxiety I was having depression you know and 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 as a result of that I then went and sought out help uh, through you know accessing my own therapy learning mindfulness getting counseling and that took me, you know, on a really big journey from then onwards, really, to sort of understand, you know, what these things are called, these things like emotions and thoughts and feelings and, and how um, my way of thinking was really influencing how I was feeling. And, um, and that journey, you know, probably took a fair few years to sort of, you know, essentially get better and better and better and better. And that naturally led me then to want to sort of to share all these things I'm learning. I'm kind of like in that process of my own sort of survival and thriving again, kind of learning um, these wonderful insights uh, that I'm then thinking, God, man, why don't, why don't everyone like learn all this sort of stuff at a young age in many ways? So that kind of pushed me then in a direction of wanting to share that the stuff that I learned. Um, I'm becoming a therapist essentially, and um, and then that's more or less where I am now in a in a very short way about it. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. 
Oh, yeah. Just the, yeah, the journey, the path, and the way, like, how obviously everything you went through when all the weightlifting stopped, but how it took you somewhere else. I always find that stuff interesting with people when mm. faced, like, with what, like, adversity or a negative of what we'd have, but then how it just takes us on another road. It's just one big yeah. bit, one big journey. It's just really interesting how it, where it's took you. Yeah, and I, I remember going through it at the time and saying that to myself. I remember yeah. saying, like, you know what, like, it's all right, you know, you, you're in a back brace and you're in a leg brace and it's going to be like this for the next 12 months, you know. And in my head, I, I kind of said, oh, well, you know, if this happens, it's all fine, but it was still bloody really hard, you know. And I'm, I'm saying yeah. bloody, I'm, I'm not going to say that. It was yeah. effing hard, you know what I mean, even at that process. So... Sometimes it's easy to acknowledge the stuff and understand it, you know, and go, yeah, like these things happen. And, but it, it was very hard to go through on a very personal level at the time as well. Um, but yeah. ultimately, yeah, it, it did kind of, it, it built me who I am now. And um, yeah, and I'm, I'm thankful for it. I'm thankful for it, you know, um, because my heart, where, where my heart was, was kind of... Um, whilst I got so much from competing and got so much from exercising and being that sort of highly tuned in sport, yeah. it was really rewarding. It wasn't the be all and end all. And I, I sort of, you know, I found that out in my own way and um, ultimately became a person in myself now that is, is happier because my sort of my self-worth now, my, my, how I view myself, you know, uh, um, how I value myself is, is essentially um, something that is intrinsic uh, rather than extrinsic. I, 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 I view it from internally rather than hinge who I am based upon what I'm achieving on left, yeah. right. You know, competing's big time about that, isn't it? It's all about extrinsic, obviously, not, but that big part of it at that level Yeah, yeah. is, is about yeah. that. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, and I, I get to use though, like that's the that's wonderful bit about kind of I suppose maturity and, and, and spending time in therapy as a person. You know, like I get to use my athlete side of me still now. Yeah. So you know, when I when I need to apply that pressure and that dedication to something, I've I've got it in the bag. You know, and that's yeah. and that's look, lucky on my side of things. But it isn't the only tool in my toolbox now, in a sense. And um, and I get to use different pressure. You know, when when that time. Um, needs it when that time calls for it in, in many ways yeah definitely yeah thanks for sharing all that mate yeah no worries mate. Yeah. so to go in on from that then with what you're saying um, obviously because now you're in the counselling therapy side of thing and how much you learnt about yourself on that journey of finding things out about yourself what would you say so what would you say people, because I, I think, and you probably agree, like everyone could, would benefit and needs therapy because we've all got things from when we're brought up that we've ignored and still there, as you will know, and mm -hmm. the things that keep coming up. But what do you think people seem to misunderstand the most about counselling or therapy as to why I like people? Because I think it's still a thing where people look at it like, it's like, oh, why are you going to therapy? Oh, why? What? Like people look at it like that, like for, you're going because there's something wrong with you. And what yeah. do you think? Like people, like what? What's the biggest thing you think people misunderstand about it? Yeah, I get what you're leaning to there with that. You know about 
there's still now a bit of resistance to kind of, you know, like if someone had, you know, if you had a problem with your car, you take it immediately to the garage. You know, if you've got toothache, you go to the dentist. You know, if you're looking to improve your fitness or lose weight to improve your health, you know, you'll go to a PT and these are sort of, people don't think twice about that. And it comes with no baggage in many ways. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, you're alluding to there are still things when it comes to mental health that even in our society, which is so many, so liberal in many ways, there is still a bit of taboo towards it. Um, I think so. Okay, so a question I hear you saying there is like, what is a barrier to people sort of getting the help, you know, yeah. uh, that they need? Um, and I think it's because it's scary, man. You know, it's scary. Yeah, based on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, because people live from day to day and they're living in their they're with, living with their own thoughts and feelings on a day to day basis. And there's a great comfort in sticking with what you know, you know. Yeah. And it's sometimes it's hard to sort of spend time with therapists because you know you can't carry on kind of being on the same old treadmill in a way. You know, you once you've voiced it, the cat's out of the bag and if when the cat's out of the bag, you've got to start doing something with it. Yeah, and yeah. It's hard. It's hard to sort of do that. It can be really scary. So there's that element of it. Um, why, why are people sort of scared? I think, I mean, there's very sort of practical barriers to it, you know? So for instance, generally in public services, there's generally quite a big waiting times, um, which puts people off True. in private private therapy there's a cost you know a financial cost so that's a big barrier as well um but yeah so even now the there is still uh, there's a lot of difficulty for people to access their own care and um yeah i think i think resistance comes comes to it you know i think i think resistance plays a big part um yeah something about the idea that um it's just easier. I think there's a, something about an immediate gratification for ignoring, ignoring something. You know, it's like, you know, it's like me putting my food recycling bin. You know, I've got a bad habit of like, I can't be asked putting my, my food recycling bin in the bin outside. So I'll let it get right up overflow into the top before I deal with it, you know. I'll do that. Uh, <laughs> And it's because when it's getting close to the point of getting full, I know I could easily, easily go and empty my, my, my recycling bin. But it's just too easy for me to ignore it on, on that occasion. And then the next time I'm there, to ignore it on that occasion. Because I get like the reward, the payoff from ignoring it is immediate. I don't have to deal with it there and then. I can just put it to one side. But essentially that kind of roundabout metaphor is that you know, when you ignore it long enough, it over overfills, and when it overfills, it's a bigger job to deal with it in the first place. Yeah. So I think one of the barriers, that, that a big barrier, is that it's just too easy to kind of carry on with life and ignore things, and it is to sort of start facing them in many ways. Um, but yeah, what like does that kind of answer your question? You, no, that, you, what's your that, thoughts? On that? That, no, that does answer it. Um, I mean, that, what's your what's, what's your experience? in terms of like of like some of the fears that you might have had you know it's similar like with I mean when I when I because I actually went for therapy myself but when I went it, there was never even when obviously when I went I found out well all these things about myself that I didn't know 
I realised that shit, like, I, I need to be here. Like, this is great. Yeah. Like, I learned a lot about myself. But when I actually just booked in for it, I just wanted to do it. And I, when I did it, I was like, oh. Just, so I had, like, so I always, like, follow, like, signs. And I just, through things, people I meet, things I keep seeing over and over again, there were signs there. And I just thought, well, maybe I should do therapy. I was like, I, I, I want to do it. And yeah. But then we actually went, and I was like, wow. And then, so that's when I'm like, everyone needs to be doing therapy how, much, <laughs> how just how much i've developed as a as a human since i've been in like five, I don't know, five sessions and yeah yeah the development in myself was rapid even the therapist like was impressed with how fast i was just taking it all in because she said i was very like just open to everything we were doing yeah yeah and yeah and now i've just got no resistance to it like with things like that because and especially being a personal trainer as well like how much I invest in myself and that side of things mm. is not a barrier to me anymore. Like I, I always go and seek out professional, like always like private because of, mm. you know, of what you said about the barrier with waiting, which I do hear from clients who don't yeah. book it. They're waiting on the NHS for physios and therapy, things like this. And, I, and then I will push them to go private and they're like, oh, but how much is it? And I respect that the, don't want to pay but when I think I don't really think we should all be putting a price on our mental well-being our physical well-being and also mm-hmm. people might not be at that understanding yet but I know I like I don't put a price on mine money can always be earned and mm-hmm. yeah that's why like you said it is a barrier but it's a barrier I think people um, just need to look at more yeah. as to like do you want to carry on living even if it's on a waiting list for a few months or even for a long yeah. time. Um, yeah, I just, I just don't agree with it, but I respect people's thoughts on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's my yeah. views on it. Because I get the same through PT, like people obviously think it's expensive. I'm like, like, do you, but you want to do this and you can't yeah. do it alone. Yeah. And you're not happy with your weight, you're not happy with how you look. Yeah. Like, how, how long are you going to carry on suffering before, like, what I noticed with pain I've been in, like, pain you've been in, mm. and even whether it's mental or physical, like, when you're in pain, it's, it's, yeah, there's never really anything else. You don't realise how much is going on because it's just constantly in pain. You miss so much. Mm-hmm. Life's, life's short. Yeah, yeah. And I think what I really like about what you explained then, Luke, as well, is you know, you didn't really know what you were getting into and you were open, you were open to it. And actually your experience of therapy, you know, thankfully was a good one and that you, you got so much more out of it that you didn't, you couldn't expect, you know, and I think that is one of the, again, coming back to sort of why people struggle to maybe get help is because they often don't know what it might look like. They don't know what it would look like to be a different person. Don't even know if it is even possible to change as a person uh, to for the better for that in the way that they would like themselves to be, and um, and and because you can't picture picture that because you can't kind of visualize that ahead of schedule, it, it doesn't really motivate you to then want to sort of do something. And again, it's like it's too easy then to sort of ignore it. And so you know, if if we had a crystal clear kind of idea of how therapy was definitely going to support and change a person's life you know it'd be a lot easier to buy into but it does kind of take a little bit of a leap of faith in some sense and um yeah 
and yeah, and, that, and that's what I've got. And, and, and there was something about like a shift in values about like, um, I heard for you there as well, you know, it's like your experience then informed you of like, oh man, like this, I need to put this at the head of my, this is the most important thing. I need to put my well being at the head of everything. And I'm happy to pay that kind of money, yeah. you know, um, or, or, or take that time to do like these practices that my therapist gave me to really change my life. You know, there was a, it sounds like there was a real solid shift in what was important for you in that process. Yeah. And um, I think it would be, I would be a hypocrite anyway with my job. If I wasn't, if that wasn't at the front of everything about who I am, valuing mm. my health first, I would be a hypocrite. Like I would. And it's yeah. not even, obviously it's not the reason to do it. The reason I do it is because I value my physical, mental health, like on a, above all, above yeah. everything, like you, like you would, and I like oh. we all should. So one of the wonderful gifts and the rewards of that process is authenticity. You know, is you you are saying, you know, I am I'm I'm sat here trying to help people get healthier. You know, but if I'm going out smoking, boozing, you know, doing drugs, eating yeah. shit, like you know. Who am I to sort of be that hypocrite in many ways? So it's like what what I like about what you're saying is that one of the wonderful kind of rewards of of, of that process for, for therapy uh, of therapy for you is the um, um, is that you have now the integrity to be able to walk the walk and talk the talk, and that what that gives you is a sense of authenticity, which is a nice feeling. It's a nice feeling to know that. I'm not full of shit, you know, <laughs> in many ways. Yeah. And that my words have, have some substance to them because I'm actually living this as a daily practice rather than just sort of spouting it. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's, that's my own personal experience. In, in some ways, I, I, I become a therapist. You know, it's like, this is my guilty. It's almost like my therapist confessions here. But yeah. like, in some ways, I did become a therapist because I, I know this, it was the same process for me. I can't sit in front of my clients and be acting completely unethically in all of the different areas of my life. And the wonderful thing about being a therapist is that you have to keep yourself in check. You know, I have to be accountable for my own well-being all the time because um, be, being good at, as a therapist means, you know, being well and being healthy and being yeah, because you have to be well and healthy to look after and help other people in many ways. So I'm kind of like, it's a bit of a guilty sort of payback that I get for it in many ways. Um, in that, even though I get to help people all the time as a therapist, um, I get um, the reward of constantly being able to help myself in that process and being accountable and being authentic. And that's nice. It's nice to feel that way. Yeah, 100%. Which that would actually lead me to what I wanted to ask you anyway. Was like, with what you were saying, what you're saying there about the the self care you have to do for yourself, because mm. um, I've seen your your slogan on your on your website. Yeah, it's like it says, um, choosing to acknowledge your suffering, your worth as a human being, and taking care of yourself is helping the entire world. Genuine yeah. self care is selfless. Yeah, I, I really like that, and that's some stuff like I've not said it all in one like that, but each thing you've said there, I've said separately to. Like about self-care and being selfless. Yeah. And yeah, I said yeah. about how when we look after ourselves, it's we're all doing our bit for the world. Um, that each when each person does that, it does make the world a better place. 
and I just wanted to say, what would you say? What I wanted to ask, what would your best tip be for people listening to actually do this? I know that's a big one as well. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Because yeah. I know it's a big one, but just like one little tip, if you would be the best one, because like, like I, like you, believe and want the, the world to get better and better. And I understand yeah. fully now that it, the world gets better by one person at a time loving mm. itself and that's it so just mm. it'd be nice to get your thoughts could be more than one tip but that's what yeah. so what's my what's my key tip then in, in uh in in doing that well i think one thing just I'll, i will answer that question but i think you um have really it's a great question because you've kind of again drawn out another barrier for people uh, in terms of taking care of themselves um, which is life is very, very busy and we often have to take care of a lot of other people in our lives. And that doesn't matter, you know, and traditionally people immediately think of, oh yeah, like if you're a parent, you've got to have to take care of your kids. But that's, that's bullshit because there's, look, there's so much, everybody in life has people and things that depend on them, you know, like, and there, there are sometimes children looking at the parents and, and, and we have to, we have to depend on working very incredibly hard for work and so on and so forth. So we're constantly giving out and we're used to very much giving out and giving and giving and giving. So to, to, to actually pause and to stop and say, right, now I'm going to stop pouring my cup out and start filling my cup up a little bit more. To do that can be really out of character and it can feel really, really, really selfish because there's a, there's a lot of kind of, there was a lot of kind of toxic sort of narratives in the world that were in some ways they're, they're, they're well-intentioned. So, you know, like we, we hear like the message, you know, always put others before yourself. Yeah. And it's a well-intentioned idea, isn't it? It's a well-intentioned, of course. And we all need more compassion for others and we all need to help more other people, but it's pretty much fruitless. It's pointless if that means you have to sacrifice yourself in that process, because ultimately if you're constantly giving to everybody and you're neglecting yourself, then, then there is a person in there that is being neglected, you know? And, um, and if you burn out, essentially you're no good to anyone in many yeah. ways. And so that can be, you know, a massive barrier for people because they think, well, how, how, how can I dare to take the piss and even have five minutes to myself? You know, and, and some people feel incredibly guilty for that, you know, but yeah. So to go back to that sort of statement, you know, that thing, you know, the, the whole world benefits from you taking care of yourself. And that is because, you know, if you take care of your own well-being, you know, if you do say no to people who are always dependent on you, you know, and you protect yourself and you support yourself in what you need, you know, whether it be, you know, getting therapy, eating healthily, getting a PT, whether it be, you know, doing some mindfulness in the morning, these small things of nurturing you, or even more fun things like taking yourself out on a date every week, you know, like these very small things are really, really important for a person's uh, sense of self, their well-being because you are getting some of the reward of life back. And in doing so, you feel better. You know, you, you then are able to sort of be in a better position to then manage with how difficult life can be. So it's a very hard thing to sort of do, uh, which is really where that kind of 
quote came from when I was writing that piece. I think it was for the, the counseling directory, I think. But um, so, yeah, so the question that you asked though was um, what would be my top tip? Was it regarding how do people take care of themselves? Is that, is that, is that the question, Luke? Yeah. That is the question, the big one. That has many, many ways to go with it. I understand that. Yeah, yeah, completely. Completely. Yeah. My top tip for one, one gem. One gem. That could help someone. Yeah. I think my one gem would be to slow down. You know, yeah. The, but... as, as simple, simple as it is is to slow down in general you know mm. we we can you can go to therapy you can do mindfulness courses you can do cbt you can get a coach you can do you know try and change your diet you can do all different types of stuff you know but one thing that works immediately and is just to literally give you give yourself the permission to slow down because we that the pace of life is really fast and we have a lot of things that we have to accomplish on a day-to-day -day basis like life is almost sometimes like a a constant waterfall of tasks you know a giant it's not a giant task list that we have to tick off one after the other but the task list never ever is completed you know by the time we've ticked off today's task we've already got a new load ready for tomorrow and that process of constantly just ticking off these things can leave life feeling really kind of disconnected uh, is one thing, but it can be experienced from a day-to-day -day sort of level of kind of being pulled around. I mean, we talk about it, don't we, about like living life on a treadmill or being in a rat race. Um, and that's because life has a bit of a momentum and it's almost like a wheel that spins inside you that is pushing you along that you can barely even take time to just pause and stop and breathe. And if we don't pause and stop and breathe, essentially life will pull us away and carry, carry us along rather than us kind of living life from day to day in many ways. So the idea of slowing down, you know, my top tip, you know, how, what does that mean slowing down? It just means you can still do all the things you want to do, but just do them slower. You know, yeah. give yourself more breaks in the day, you know, like rather than, you know, w like wolfier, wolfier buddy lunch down and then get back to your emails within 10 minutes, actually take your lunch, slow down, eat your food, maybe look, step away from the computer, go for a short walk, breathe, feel the air around you. You know, it's a beautiful day outside in Manchester today. It's like, you know, slow just generally slow down, you know, and with the things like, you know, we've got so many things in our life now, which is working against that, you know, work pressures, parental pressures, you know, bills, um, the cost of living at the minute, you know, distractions like Netflix, social media, you know, we get everything in, there's so much pressure and we get things so instantaneously. It, it, it's, it's all working against us from just keeps feeding into this idea that we have to always be quick and fast and frantic and go, 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 go. And it is just a recipe essentially for burnout and depression essentially, because life, if we don't connect with life, which means slowing down, if we don't connect with life. 
we don't experience it. We don't experience it. We feel that completely disconnected from it. And if we feel that, then essentially it only goes for so long before we then look for unhealthy means to try and feel life again, look like alcohol and drugs, sex, whatever it may be, uh, food, or we just get depressed completely, you know, because, and so many, you know, and I get this a lot with clients, you know, I get this a lot with clients who, who have been in, who've been working tirelessly in a job for many, many years and they've never paused to take a breath and ask themselves, why do I even like this? Why do I even do this? And that, and it takes a bit of a, like a crisis, like even coronavirus, you know, a lot of people are getting a lot out of this experience because they've been forced to stop. And it's, it's caused them to actually bring their head above the water for once and go, why am I even doing this, man? Like, do I, do I, even, do I even enjoy what I'm doing? And that breathing space they've given themselves has allowed themselves to sort of see things from a different vantage point in life and really take stock to understand like, well, do I value this? Is this important for me? And, and if it's not, they get to choose to live the life in a way that's more um, in line with how they would like to and, and have more sort of um, yeah, direct connection with life that's passing them by. So, yeah, I would say slow down, just like I need to slow down now because I was... Yeah, I can tell you're obviously very, yeah, very passionate about it. Yeah. But it's very true as well. Like, that's, like, I love that actual answer as a as a tip because that is like you say in our society especially in the UK mm-hmm. there have been other countries who are busy as well but they seem to have that uh, I think how far we are te- technolo- technology how advanced it is has made us moves even faster and faster where other parts when I go to other, I love going back to other countries because they just see how they've still got that they're still in the past a bit where they're still slow with everything they do. Mm. Here, here we just seem like technological advances are great, but not when, like you said, they, we get carried away in them like big time. Yeah, yeah because we, we in our society, we, um, we generally live, you know, in, in a capitalistic society, we live... Um, in an economic model of lifestyle, you know, an economic model, it, much like in finance, it prizes efficiency, you know. Yeah. So it's not just whether you can do something you can, it's how fast can you do it and how much can you do it. And essentially, like you're describing, you know, other cultures can, um, can be happier to just work at a slower pace because, you know, we can often, you know, it kind of boggles my mind, like what, why are we working so hard? You know, why, what are we trying to accumulate um, all this stuff for in, in many ways? But that, that kind of an economic model of being is, is kind of propagated to everyone through everything in terms of the way the media works, the way that our jobs and lifestyles are kind of curated and created. So it takes a very... It take, you know, it's, it takes a big thing to sort of pause and stop and actually see that as it's happening and then choose to live your life with more kind of awareness of that process. And, and it's only if you slow down in those moments, that is when self-care has an opportunity to come to the table, you know, because self-care for most people is an afterthought. It's something at the end. 
of the day, yeah. you know. Or it's something that the, the last, you know, makes you laugh. Kind of like once a year, we'll 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 have uh, New Year's resolutions. It's like yeah. it should be a New Year everybody day. You know what I mean? At the yeah. end of the day, you know, you you should be concerned about your well-being every single day because everything else in your life depends on that. And this is something you know I could, I, something I feel like I learned when I was younger, but I could never get my head around is that everything that you decide to do in your life every area of your life depends on your brain and your brain is the thing that's making those choices. So if you are not aware of your own thoughts and your own feelings and your own mental health, then you're essentially just giving your hands over to your old habits, your old programming, the way the world works and it influences you, giving you, giving the power of that just somewhere else. So it's like, it's so important because everything, the book stops with your head. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. even like something like personal training, you know, the, a person may have difficulties in uh, applying themselves to a program or whatnot, you know, but that will be an emotional and a mental experience, a, a barrier towards that, which, which, you know, can be looked at, can be explored and help them to then engage in exercise, you know, in many ways. So Yes, again, coming back to the idea of slowing down, if we don't slow down, essentially, you know, we can notice ourselves. We can't notice how we're living our lives. We can't notice how we feel. We can't notice, you know, um, what choices we're making. And if we, we can't have that awareness, then we can't essentially change anything because we don't stop to look. You can't change what you can't see, essentially. Um, um, so, yeah, massively important. So just go in going along for the ride instead of being in the driving seat of it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Which, um, when you were saying about uh, slowing down as well, again, that's actually perfect because the other question I wanted to ask you as well was um, just about, because I wanted to speak about, you know, your, your breath weeks, the eight-week course that you did, that I attended, yeah. um, which uh, I loved it helped me a lot understand mindful. Obviously, I already had like a kind of basic, very, very basic understanding of mindfulness and practiced it. But like yeah. learning from you, um, yeah, just helped me understand more about what it means to be mindful and more about it. And I think like one of the things I took the most from it, like you just said, then was just, and I still do to this day, but obviously it's always like, it's always fun to every day, every little battle I call them where I do be present, even drive, whatever I do, but it was, it was to slow down. Um, and like, I just, what I wanted to say with that was what made you, so what, like how, well, what made you become one of our works mindfulness teacher and yeah. to, to start and like why, why you wanted to start teaching that as an eight week course that you do? Um, yeah, so I mean, I, I, in, in my recovery from, from my accident, I suffered obviously a lot of difficulties physically. So, you know, I've had six surgeries in the past 10 years. Um, and I suffered with chronic and still do suffer with chronic pain, um, in my spine and my ankles and my, my activity levels have been severely reduced as a result, but I went on a breath first course because they do a, a, a course called um, mindfulness for health which is about living with a long-term illness like chronic pain and <clears throat> and um 
and I, I went on that as a participant, much like when you came on to mine. And, um, and I had done mindfulness before, done different courses before, but I just enjoyed the Breathworks one more, and which then inspired, inspired me to then become a Breathworks um, teacher. Um, and it was the emphasis on um, kindness, because I, I learned mindfulness originally from, from Buddhist teachings. And, um, and Buddhist instruction. And then I saw how sort of the West was making this medical version of mindfulness. And it was very sort of clinical and it was very sort of sterile, very objective. And it kind of lacked, I felt at times, a sense of, of humanity. And, um, and, and, I, and I couldn't connect with that process as much. But then when I found the Breathworks course, I found that the thing that was missing in these other approaches was the emphasis on, on kindness to yourself and kindness to other people, the emphasis on compassion. Um, and ultimately, yeah, that, that's, that's why I chose the, that course and that's why I deliver that course now um, because, you know, a lot of people struggle to understand mindfulness. They have poor experiences where they get told to try mindfulness and they'll download an app and they'll do, try it for one time. They'll go, oh, for Christ's sake, I can't do this. It's shit, you know. And it's because they've had no actual instruction with, with how, how to, try, how to um, apply themselves in mindfulness. And, um, and, uh, and yeah, so to kind of come back, you know, kindness is a, is a fundamental part of that process which really gets undervalued in a lot of approaches. You know, they, they tend to think of it as more as like, ah, oh, just be aware of thoughts and just let thoughts go. And, and, you know, your mind's like a sky and just let clouds come and go and so on and so forth. And it's all well and nice, but you need, gen you need kind of, you need some sort of instruction on that process. And what helps all these things is a, is a real wealth of kindness to yourself and kindness for other people um, in that process. But I suppose I'm leaning more towards talking about that in, in some sense now. What and what was the question again? Sorry. Just like with why no, that that's great. Anyway, it was just like why you yeah. wanted to because of what you went through yourself. Why you wanted to then teach this to others? Because obviously, because yeah. you, you see this as um, you because you found the the breathworks accredited one, and you've just felt that that one just felt right with you with the teachings. Yeah. What, like, because it was all about always coming back to kindness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, which goes back to like self care as well, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I had um, as a, as a, you know, like a top level athlete. You know, I was trained to be ruthless with myself. Yeah. Um, you know, and and we get told all these these um these kind of striving tropes of like you know what doesn't kill you makes you stronger and pain is only weakness leaving the body and all that sort of stuff and you know and it's and i i lived off that stuff when i was younger but it became really toxic to myself be it when it came to my own well-being my own sense of self-worth and 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 my um yeah my mental health in many ways and I saw kindness to yourself and kindness to other people, compassion as something as being kind of airy fairy, 
couldn't really connect with the value of it. Didn't really, you know, I tried to do it sometimes. I would sit and I'd say, okay, you know, I'll be kind to myself, you know, and I didn't really understand what it meant and I'll try and do it anyway. And I didn't really ever connect with it. And, and now, you know, now I, being a man I am and everything I've gone through and all the studying I've done, you know, I, I see how, how really kindness to yourself is, is, um, you know, it's kindness is like steroids to an athlete. You know, that's probably the best metaphor I can say, you know, because if you've got a problem, you know, a difficulty you're trying to overcome, then the cheat sheet is kindness to yourself. Um, and this is because if, when you look into sort of any sort of research on resilience, so when a lot of, there's been a lot of research on, on what makes people resilient under difficult circumstances, you know, and what makes people really high achievers in many ways. And you would think that it's all this kind of rhetoric of like, you know, um, of striving really hard and not accepting any form of weakness. You would think it's that, but it's not. What the trait that people have in success and self-resilience is self-compassion. The reason being is that people who make mistakes, people who cock up, okay, who are resilient, tend to be able to observe and notice their experience in a very human way. They acknowledge that they are a human being, they have faults, and they ultimately are kinder to themselves in that process. They accept the fact that, oh, you know what? Fucked up here, but that's okay. And they look at that as a learning experience, which means they don't spend and waste tremendous amounts of time whipping themselves with chains, criticizing themselves for what they should have done, how they could have done it better, and so on and so forth. Because that process, having a really intense, hard inner critic, just hurts. It hurts, it's heavy. Um, it's tiring and it slows you down and that's why the irony of all this thing is that you know this this woo-woo kind of softy softy um, uh, concept like kindness is ultimately like the strongest thing you can do and sometimes the metaphor or the analogy you know and you might have heard this on the course that we did where you know if you think of a small child who's like you know, if, if a little kid was trying to do something, you know, I don't know, let's say they were um, trying to build build a, 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 something out of blocks or whatnot, and the kid fell over and knocked it all over and started to cry. If you went up to that child now and you were like, oh, you stupid little bastard, you rubbish, you, you're always going to be rubbish. You're never going to be able to do anything. You're an absolute failure. You're rubbish, you know. If you did that to that child, that child would be so frightened, so scared, and would never want to try ever doing anything ever again. And that's essentially how it works with ourselves in terms of a harsh inner critic. Yeah. You know, we're essentially essentially putting that child on threat, you know, which when you work with yourself and create safety, you move quicker. So if you walked up to that child who broke, you know, fell down, hurt himself and knocked all the, you know, the building blocks over and you were like, it's okay, mate. You know, you're allowed to make mistakes. It's okay. And you can push yourself, you know, you'll be able to do it again. I bet you, if you try, you know, one more time, you know, it's okay to get upset. I understand, you know, if you offered that same approach to that child, that child would then recognize and learn. Ah, yeah. Okay. I'm allowed to make mistakes. Mistakes are something I learn from. And then it's not the all and end all that I've made a mistake right now. And I can actually go and make some more building blocks if I wanted. You know, you've created that environment for that child to know that is okay. 
And that is essentially the same process that we can do in terms of how we relate to ourselves. And that's why it's so important when it comes to self-care to be able to develop kindness because when we do cock it up, which we will, because no one's perfect. No, you know, no, I've, you know, I've still not found that ultimate perfection where I never make a mistake. You know, and I never will. Thank God for that. Yeah. Because you know, I'll always be learning. You know, and I have to constantly remind myself of my own kindness. You know, even like something recently that happened to me, like where, you know, I found myself, you know, beating myself up again, f slipping back into all unhelpful habits. You know, but I looked at it. I spoke about it with my own therapist. You know, I found a place where I could accept that I am human and I cocked up and I'm, I forgive myself and move gently forward and, and, and now keep moving forward on, on that kind of way, really. So, um, yeah, so that's like the big thing about kindness. And, and that's what I found with that course, you know, the course that I deliver as well, um, is that, and maybe you would attest to this. You mean, so what, what you, you've been on one of my courses, Luke. Um, yeah. What, how does all that sit with you in, in terms of that as well? Yeah, 100%. Like, like from when you were saying about with self-care, then to slowing down and now kindness, like all these things were, like I said, there were areas that I worked on with myself, but the course was like big time about these areas um, and just showing how in just everything we do every day, how... It's just, it is basically what I took from it the most is just how it is everything. Mm -hmm. um, but then also for me, it was the, the way you, because when you were saying about what people think mindfulness is and they just look at it as this, like this app, like, oh, like fairy stuff, or well, you've got to meditate, that's mindfulness. But like you taught one, but the best things you taught me was just how it was everything. It, and I, because I did look at my, I did before the course, I did really look at it as like meditation and we must like meditate more throughout the day. But then the best thing you taught me on that course was just how mindfulness was everything we do every day and slowing down and being present. And now I've learned that meditation is just being present and slowing down in what you were doing. That is meditation. You don't have to close your eyes and sit still to meditate. It was the fact that if you just concentrate in your shower on just washing your body if you concentrate in your car and just driving down the road these mm. and nothing else is in your head and you're just thinking about and feeling what you're doing that was mm. meditation and that's what i loved about it because that was the biggest thing i took from it mm. and just the way you actually taught the course was great um because yeah, i was just so down to earth and just like you how you are and how you teach it, it was just yeah, it was great mm. really good yeah uh, I remember, well, I mean, yeah, we had a really good group of people and... Um, yeah, and everyone on it, yeah. And how the space and everything, how just everyone shared and how comfortable you were. And, mm. Yeah, it was, everything about it was great. Like, everyone needs that, not just like doing mindfulness club, but everyone just needs that, like, networking, meeting people, being around people, chatting, sharing. Mm. Mm. Like, that's a big part of it as well. That's a big part of life. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's a big thing that's been sort of, it's a big thing that people are struggling with now. I mean, people, you know, there was a, a famine of connectivity in many ways. You know, we, we, even before COVID, you know, 
even though we're in a world where there's all these devices that supposedly keep us connected, mm. you know, we are hit, we are hit with a pandemic of loneliness in everyday life anyway, and yeah. and um, and even more so now, you know, and and these these digital ways are nice and they are helpful, but they are no substitute for being with somebody in the flesh, and you know, and and. One of the most, one of the wonderful things. So, I mean, I've delivered probably what, 24, 24 eight week breathworks courses now. Nice. You know, loads in the NHS, you know, some privately. And the biggest thing people talk about on these courses is that, man, it's just, it was just nice. It was nice to sit in a room full of people yeah. and realize that, that, you know what, it's not just me. It's not just me that's going through it. It's that actually there are other human beings out there. Who, have, who, who life is hard with as well. And there is something about that, isn't there, Luke? There's something that's nice to, uh, not that like we're, like we're masochistic and we get off of the fact that people suffer, but there is something nice in like knowing that you're not the only one that's going through it. And I mean, yeah. what was that like for you in that, in that course to sort of, to be amongst people? Because you mentioned there about, you know, to, record, to hear other people's stories and stuff. There was something that you got from that. Yeah, it was something I still see now from that course and with my own pain issues, because I've had problems with my back, I still do to this day, my back and hope it's something I manage like you manage yours. Mm. But it was when I first had those problems with my back first, like I used to, because I was so young, I was in the early 20s, I was like, wow, like I'm messed up, I'm not even 30 yet. I thought this, in my head, I'm thinking old people only have these problems, why me? Used to get yeah. sad about it, depressed about it. I was like, why? And as it got older, and then when we started to be in the PT, and then I realised, wow, everyone's fucked up. That's the best <laughs> thing I can think of. It was like, in like pain and issues with the body and injuries. I was like, everyone's got this stuff. It's not just me. Yeah. And even though I like to say, it's not like, wow, I'm glad everyone got it. It was like, oh, so it's not just me. Everyone's yeah. had these issues. And then from the end of doing the breath works, mm. and I realised, connected even more with people, because like, wow, like we've all got so much in common. Not only do we have the same injuries, but all these problems and issues that make us anxious and we get mm. a bit depressed about and we get sad about, we all, it's all like the same things. Like, I didn't know that person. I had that. Mm. But you, we all just look at people as they're nothing like me because of how they look and what they like and what they watch mm. and where they go out. When really inside, mm. when we all see that we all are just more alike than we could have ever known, yeah. it just, again, and that just gets that connection. Yeah, yeah with people which life is about and that's what again like i really took from it so like and, and much in line with what we've already spoke about in, in in the session here now like um you know the idea of slowing down you know is because when because like i'm hearing that you know that when we suffer you know when we suffer like our awareness becomes quite constricted so you know the idea of like, you know, if you, if you stood on top of a hill and you can see the whole view, can't you? You know, but when we're suffering, it's like we're looking through a keyhole, at, you know, and we can't really see much of the world because our, our suffering kind of closes our awareness down yeah. and we get this kind of tunnel vision and we, we don't know, we can't then connect with what it's like to be a human and the fact that we might not be the only one going through this and so on. It's a very, when you are suffering, it's a very, very, very lonely place to be. Yeah. And, you know, and suffering, you know, is a word that can be sort of transposed to so much, you know, whether that be like, 
living manically, trying to achieve things nonstop. I mean, that's a hard lifestyle, you know, and that, that is a form of suffering in itself. And when we, when we are kind of gripped by suffering, we can barely see the wood through the trees. And this is the whole point about this idea of slowing down and giving yourself permission to stop and, and, and sort of take care of yourself. Because in doing that, you know, when we do slow down, we give ourselves a chance to step back and step out of that whole suffering experience and actually have a look around and realize that, oh shit, yeah, I'm not the only one. Mm. Or like, oh God, yeah, I realize now I've been, been pushing myself so hard. That's why I'm exhausted and that's why I need a break. Or like, oh yeah, I can really realize now that I'm tolerating some really un unhealthy behavior from somebody else. And I didn't really notice that until I paused and I stopped and now I need to put some boundaries in place. It's like, when we are gripped in suffering, we, we're kind of like, you know, we're in a tiny bubble and we don't get sort of to see the big picture. And that's the whole point. Again, coming back to sort of slowing down, but also mindfulness and what you were talking about in terms of how mindfulness is, is accessible at any moment during the day, if you learn how to do it, which is the, you know, the capacity of pausing, of stopping, yeah. of noticing your experience in a kind, accepting, a non-judgmental way. And choosing to respond to it rather than being driven by your, your, your habits. You know, that practice that we spent eight weeks learning, you know, yep. on our course, you know, is so vital because it gets you out of that bubble. It gets you out of, the, of, of your head in many ways and into your body and into your life and gives you the rare opportunity then to, to change things. Um, yeah, like it really, really resonated with what you were saying there about, you know, and, and in doing so, you know, that whole, all that process has these wonderful payoffs that much like what you said about entering into therapy, you didn't realize it until you tried it. And then you realize once you tried it, it opened up, your awareness opened up and you got all these rewards as a, as a, as a, as a, um, that you didn't previously see. You know, and when we're in us, when we're in suffering, when we're caught in suffering, it's hard to see any other options other than the worst case scenarios of what we're going through. You know, so that's why it's so important to stop and slow down. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, on that note, as well, I just want to say thank you so much, James. Like that was great. No, you're more like, welcome. Yeah, I mean, what you've shared and what we spoke about, um, I've I've took a lot from it myself. So yeah. thanks, and I hope like everyone listening has, because um, yeah, that was like first guest on that there that couldn't have went any better. <laughs> so yeah, th thanks a lot for coming on, and everyone who is listening, I hope you enjoyed. Hope you enjoyed it, and. Um, yeah, is there anything you'd like to say to finish, James? Um, no, mate, other than it's been a pleasure. And um, yeah, uh, I'll plug myself. You know, my website is www.one-mind.co.uk. You can check me out as a therapist. I'm taking yep. online telephone and face-to-face -face appointments still now. Unfortunately, no mindfulness courses coming up at the minute just due to COVID. Mm. But other than that, um, I do a free mindfulness drop-in once a month. If you check on the website, you'll find details of the event I'm running there. It's an online Zoom session. It's free. Um, yeah, and a chance to experience. Maybe we do like a body scan late at night and get you all set and prepped for bed at some point. And uh, yeah, thanks a lot, Luke, for having me on, man. It's been, it's been a pleasure to see you. And um, 
I'll, uh, I'll have to pop into JD at some point, mate, and get, uh, get to come down. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thanks a lot, mate. And yeah, um, I hope everyone, like again, I hope everyone enjoyed James's company, and I hope you're looking forward to the next episode. Thanks for listening.